the more certificates of appreciation you collect, the more value you've delivered to your community and the world. Now, of course, there's fraud and cheating and stealing and all that. But I'm talking about good-hearted people who deliver value and get certificates of appreciation. There's no guilt. There's no shame. And you can do it with your head up and your shoulders back and say, my job is to deliver value. And to measure that, I'm going to get certificates of appreciation. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Delighted to be joined today from uh, all the way from San Francisco, I believe, over in the States. Uh, we have author of A Private Conversation About Money and founder and CEO of the Mind Muscle Academy. Welcome to the show today, Richard Friesen. Welcome. It's good to be here. Like I mentioned earlier, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and very impressed with the focus and the amount of really helpful information that you give your listeners. Oh, appreciate that. And uh, yeah, let's hope, hope that today we can add just that extra little bit of value to people and uh, and have an interesting conversation along the way. So uh, really appreciate that. Um, so before before we get into you know the private conversation about money and what you do um, elsewhere, can you just give us a bit of background about you in terms of what you've done to get you where you are today? Sure. Um, I started out as in retail as a glass blower, oh, wow. and uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> and then I went to Merrill Lynch and started there as a broker, yep. and then ended up with an arbitrage firm uh, trading. Uh, derivatives and then started my own trading firm and uh, the process there was in terms of my own performance mm. <laughs> it was dragging rich Friesen <laughs> over <laughs> what broken glass in order to get him to the place right where he was comfortable and had rapport with money meaning and success because there was a lot of my early deep and and i think you've mentioned this in a previous podcast about the deepest identity we have mm. and if that doesn't support you know what our goals and mission are we keep sabotaging ourselves mm. definitely oh wonderful and so what were some of the lessons you learned from that world of uh, of merrill lynch and the the trading side of things well what was interesting let me tell you a story about uh, one of the biggest barriers that i had it was April of 1995. Uh, I had gone on my own uh, as an independent floor trader. And I was, it was the middle of the night and I was awoken with a voice. And the voice said, Rich, you're only worth $200,000. I went, looked at what? <laughs> sat up. It, I mean, it was like a voice. Somebody was in the room. Right. My wife was sleeping. She didn't wake up. So... I had to figure the voice came from inside my head. Hmm. So I got up, showered, dressed, drove across the Golden Gate Bridge to the Pacific Exchange. I got there so early that the doors were still closed. And so I started thinking about what was that voice about? So let me give you a little backstory. 
when I left the arbitrage firm, which had hundreds of millions of dollars of capital and quants and just all the resources you would need for trading, when I went on my own, you know, I had not much capital. So the first year I made 125000 which was kind of low for that kind of uh, risk. Mm. Then I made 150, then 175, then 200, then 200. But something happened in 1995. And that was I was trading Micron, which is a computer chip memory manufacturer. And the stock just took off. And there's only three or four market makers in the pit. And the orders just kept pouring in. And in the middle of February, I had already made my $200,000 limit. Wow. So what did I do? <laughs> made a little, lost a little, made a little, lost a little, made a little. So I kept that cap. And that voice in the middle of the night was the voice that said, Rich, you're only worth 200000 a year. Well, that was because I was a philosophy major. What did I know about all these complications? Was I really worthy? Other guys are taking bigger risk. I had all these internal conflicts that I was not even aware of. And that voice in the middle of the night brought those conflicts up. Right. So I went into the exchange and normally I stood at the back of the pit and carefully took a little bit of an order here, a little bit of an order there. And I realized that voice that I heard, I was done with it. Mm -hmm. So I stepped into the best spot in the pit. Now, there's no pits hardly anymore. <laughs> so everything's on screen. Yeah. So this is kind of like really arcade. But in the pits, it's the best spots are com commandeered by the person with the most capital, the most aggressive, the most socially dominant, but sometimes the meanest son of a gun. Right. Uh, and I took that spot. <laughs> so the rest of the market makers and brokers started pouring in just before the bell. And the guy who always stood there kind of looked at me <laughs> and stood beside me, watched the clock. And before the bell went off, tapped me on the shoulder. You know, okay, Rich, yeah. you've had your playtime. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't move. Right. So, you know, right away, pushing that shoving in the and the exchange official said, you guys get into a fight. It's a $10,000 fine for each of you. So I stood my ground. I pretended I had concrete boots. And when the bell went off, quiet, rich Friesen who stood at the back, carefully calculating the values went. And I don't I, I don't want to blow anybody's ears off, so I'm going to back up a bit. I'll buy 50. I'll sell you 20. <laughs> buy them, buy them. Buy 100. Sell you 50. The rest of the pit thought that rich Friesen had gone crazy. But what happened was I had an internal limit of unworthiness that was just pernicious in terms of just keeping me at a limited income. And with the extra capital, I made many times that limit. I went on to build a trading firm. And what was interesting there was that some of the, about a third of the traders took my system and just took off. A third of them did okay. But a third of them just couldn't make it. Same training, same information, same markets, couldn't do it. So I thought, what if they had an internal limit? So I brought in a hypnotherapist. It turns out my sister, Wendy, was newly minted from hypnotherapy school and very eager to have her first client. So what we discovered was each of those had a separate limitation inside of them. And we could go into that. Um, maybe that'll come up later. Mm. But I thought I would just give you 
what motivated me eventually to write the book, A Private Conversation with Money, is to give people an awareness of their internal mindset and how it impacts their future, their finances, their family, their freedom, everything, mm -hmm. because I experienced it so personally. Oh, that's that's wonderful, and, and you know, I've started going through the process and and going through your your course online and and finding having that conversation with myself about money, um, and starting to realise some of my internal monologue that's been going on and how that's been shaped by my earlier years and mm -hmm. growing up, and you know, I think it's it's definitely one of those interesting bits where we never we never really talk about money, or not a lot of us do. And not that and the sex, you know, just no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, if you haven't got it, you don't talk about it because it's too painful. And if you have got it, you don't talk about it because it's a, it's a no-no and a social taboo. You know? Embarrassing, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. And, and so um, tell us a bit more then about um, the private conversation with money, you know, in, in terms of what it is, what people can get from sure. that and, uh, and, and what what's the process sure let me ask you a question going? first yeah. as you went through the course or is there any awareness that stood out that said oh that's interesting um i think it was a the reflection on growing up my my both my parents were teachers you know it was it was mm -hmm. always a very lower middle class sort of we are that's mm -hmm. where we're at we're, we're at that limitation of we're working hard and we get paid that money and therefore it's you know it, we can do better by having a, a small increase or maybe getting a promotion and moving forward mm -hmm. there and i think that's always been a limitation for me uh, yeah. internally and it's only over the last couple of years when i've gone independent i'm starting to challenge that for myself and go why can't i be doing multiples of that and doing it in a way that isn't just the day-to-day -day slog it's working in a way that adds value and i'm, I'm appreciated for that value and not being afraid to you know, you know recognize that value in terms of a what i would term a sort of a reasonable day rate and and things like that you know it's like um in fact am i even charging enough for what i've got you know it's that holding me back in some ways you know so it is definitely a lot comes back to growing up in the relationship that yes. was seen with we were never without by any means you know and we we, we did very well but it was it, it was how you got money there was only you know it was set at the beginning of the year because that's your salary and that's that's always been the um the mindset that i've grown up with and been exposed to and uh it's a it's interesting well, you just you've to. just opened the door here to so many conversations <laughs> and i appreciate your willingness to just open up and and be honest here mm -hmm. and one of the things that you said that really stood out for me was delivering value mm -hmm. and that's what the book is about we start with joe who's a, a very progressive left-leaning anti-wealth social justice warrior who is conflicted about his own finances and he comes to the place after working through a conversation many conversations with money he comes to the place where he realizes that he personally can deliver a lot of value mm. and so one of the things in the book and one of the exercises that we do is called Certificates of Appreciation. So Paul, if I do something for you and you give me not money, but Certificates of Appreciation, I look mm. at those and say, oh yeah, he appreciated the value I delivered to him. Mm. Or conversely, 
I do something for, or you do something for me. I give you money. I give you certificates of appreciation. And you say, yeah, certificates of appreciation. Now, here's the part I want everyone who's listening to hold on to their head because your head's going to explode with this. <laughs> the more certificates of appreciation you collect, the more value you've delivered to your community and the world. Now, of course, there's fraud and cheating and stealing and all that. But I'm talking about good-hearted people who deliver value and get certificates of appreciation. There's no guilt. There's no shame. And you can do it with your head up and your shoulders back and say, my job is to deliver value. And to measure that, I'm going to get certificates of appreciation. And those certificates of appreciation, I can then give to other people as an appreciation for my freedom, for my life, and for making my life expansive and wonderful. Wonderful. And I think that it, it's definitely, uh, I haven't finished the course yet. I'll, uh, I'll hold my hands up on that one, but I, I have started. But just the, the whole process of going through that and starting to be honest with yourself. I mean, I've always been a fan of reflection mm -hmm. and sort of challenging your own, own beliefs and, uh, um, and people who provide systems and, <coughs> excuse me, and stories to help you do that. And I think this is definitely one that, <coughs> excuse, uh, helps you, um, Helps you have that from a, a money perspective as well. Well, what you're saying is that, you know, you said talk about challenging your beliefs. <clears throat> and that is really very interesting because how do we change our beliefs? What if our beliefs are locking it in? You mentioned how you grew up, your parents. Well, this is how you make money and this is the limits and you only do so much. Well, some people grew up with parents who... Uh, we're really stingy with money. There's never enough to go around. They have it. We don't. And that's because the system is systematically unfair to us. Uh, there are parents who just, I have some relatives like this, <laughs> easy come, easy go, you know, just get it, spend it, whatever. There's yeah. no reverence for the value you've delivered. Yeah. And there's no reverence for the certificates of appreciation that you've collected. So we have, and then we have uh, educa our educational system, we have our peer group, and especially, I'm I'm assuming in Britain that it's similar that we have a huge cultural and political divide here. Oh yes. And so, if you are okay with collecting certificates of appreciation and wealth, oftentimes that will you'll get shunned and get banned from your your group, your clan, your, the your community because having that kind of attitude is is upsetting to a lot of people yeah. so given all these conflicts from family peer group education community our cultural divide oh my gosh how do we go from that and step into rapport with money yeah. and so what i've done in the book is rather than just lecture people this is what you should do yeah. <laughs> i've taken the character joe and have him struggle and push back and fight and give all the counter arguments and do everything he can so that people can follow Joe along and do the exercises with him so they can actually come to a place where they have more rapport with money, meaning, and wealth. Hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, and I think it, it doesn't, the whole subject for me doesn't um, necessarily mean that you are going to change who you are, you're going to be 
greedy or anything like that. It's just it, it it's something that is um, really important that we understand about our own relationship with money, uh, uh, how that affects our relationships with others, and uh, and what how that affects how we can bring value to the world as well. Yeah. Well, what you brought up, he says, you know, you won't be greedy. It won't change who you are. But that is a fear that many of my clients have. Oh, I, can, can I use the word asshole? <laughs> I'll become an asshole. Feel free. <laughs> if I if I have money, that's what my fear is. I'll become a jerk. I'll become one of them. Yeah. So part of the work I do with my clients and in the book is to do just what you said. Hey, you can still have a good heart. You can care about people. Mm. Money gives you a tremendous amount of freedom to express the values, not just delivering value, but the deepest values you have. Mm. And that, you know, that becoming a jerk just isn't part of this, that we can ameliorate that, that that fear is there because of just all the subconscious programming that we've been given. Yeah. Wonderful. And you talk there about, you know, when you're working with clients, who do your clients, uh, who are your clients typically? Who do you tend to work with? And, uh, and what's their background? Yeah, it's, I started out, since I started out as uh, a trader and uh, an investor in the markets, that my initial clients were hedge fund managers, money managers, uh, active traders. But what's interesting is that the issues they face, because they get immediate feedback, <laughs> there's, there's there's no question <laughs> whether they're effective their their psychology shows up in their trades right. so we're able to then to to look at the internal processes that people have and i was able to take those and expand it to entrepreneurs to uh, career-minded people and even uh working with people who are in financial stress because their mindset and especially if there's been trauma in the past, there's a lot of belief systems. Uh, boy, and then we have the neurochemicals that that are depressive. And to invite them into a new a new world, and to do that, we use guided imagery to allow them to step into a new place, a new place of meaning and expansion, so that they can actually taste it. Um, it turns out that we have a survival mechanism. And I have this myself, is that what we learned to survive when we were growing up, that survival mechanism says, yes, we made it. And we made it with this survival mechanism. But now that we're older, what that survival mechanism says is, I'm not going to let you die. I'm going to keep creating the world in a way that I can have my job and protect you with my old survival mechanism. Right. You know, for example, uh, grew up, my mom was depressed, uh, not happy at all. And so <clears throat> I grew up trying to please her and get noticed and, and do all that. So as a result, I grew up as a pleaser, you know, paying attention to people. I could hear the when the loudness of the cabinet doors closing downstairs in the kitchen would tell me, how depressed she was <laughs> you know that kind of sensitivity yeah. so i had that that programming inside of me so my survival mechanism says hmm, how can i recreate that in the people that i know in order that i can survive hmm. i know this sounds crazy everyone's going to say oh that's nuts <laughs> nobody's <laughs> going to do that 
But that's what comes up time and time again, that we create a world that we know we can survive. Yeah. And I think if we all reflect on that, <laughs> truly reflect on, on where we are now, I think we, uh, I'm certainly finding the truth in that for myself just as we're having this conversation so yeah it's uh it's definitely something that that rings true um so in terms of things like the mind muscle academy and and, and other things you do you know how does that all fit in is it all connected with the private conversation with money or is it is that aligned um uh, in you know it's way? interesting in working in the financial world is that i created the infrastructure of the online courses uh the the coaching methodologies the group work and then as I saw the cultural issues around money and I wrote the book, all that infrastructure just moves over and I just create new content. So it's, it's you know, it's all dealing with the human brain and our human condition. And I like to think of it that, that there's just some programming bugs in our brain left over from our tribal and clan heritage. Hmm. So let's recognize those bugs in our brain those human foibles those things that just prevent us from getting to where we know each other to to, to get to let us get to where we want to go and then let's reprogramming them mm -hmm. and if you think about it as okay uh i eat too much pizza every time i order a pizza okay there's there's <laughs> all these neural connections oh pizza smells good all the all the just all the behavioral stuff, all the feeling good when you're eating it, it just all comes together. So if we're going to create new neural connections, then they're not there. It takes some focus mm. and some reframing how we look at it. So that's what we do, it, no matter where we are in the financial world or somebody who uh, uh, runs their debt you know, up really big on their credit card. Right. So how do we step into a new context that not only feels better, but honors our values and gets us to our goals? So I don't use discipline, shoulds, uh, willpower, uh, resolutions, because those set up that we're fighting each other. As soon as I say, I should do this, that means there's a part that says, no, Rich, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> You're not going to do that. So rather, we set it up so that we create visually kinesthetically, however I can do it, a state that just feels better and gets you to your goals so that it actually feels good to step into it. But the survival mechanism says, and you're not going to believe this and that's okay. <laughs> Our survival mechanism says, you know, I know I can survive this horrible world I've created, but damn it, I don't know if I can survive that wonderful one. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, most of the people who come to me are not prepared to be wealthy. Because it's really scary. Can you imagine the wealth, the mistakes you can make, the people you can hurt, the the leverage you have, uh, the people that are going to come for you and want to, you know, drain you of your money, the con artists, the relatives that are going to want help. Hmm. All of a sudden, you're stepping into a world that is filled with brand new conflicts and problems. So what we do is we actually create that world visually, kinesthetically, smell, just everything we can. So they, when they, as, as they approach that world, it's, oh, I'm home. As versus your survival mechanism saying, no, 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 no. We don't know if you can manage that. Yeah. And I'm guessing uh, one thing that comes to mind is people who win the lottery or the lotto and, uh, and, and suddenly find themselves 
in wealth that they'd never even imagined before. Mm -hmm. You know, that, I'm guessing that's a situation where people have those conflicts, those different scenarios that they're they're not used to, um, and and are afraid of that and and don't know how to to cope with it on a day to day basis. Well, that's a really good point. In the United States, we have football players who make millions and millions during their career and don't have enough to retire. Yeah, It's because their whole identity, their base and where they came from, they did not prepare themselves for stepping into the world of wealth. So that's one of the things that's really important to do. And again, if we attach delivering value to wealth, then there's a bunch of things that do come up. You know, you have taxes, you have to manage it, you have to invest it. Um, what what do you do with it if you want to make the world a better place? So, But all those are manageable once we start to visualize it and accept it. Oh, wonderful stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to continue on with my journey on this one, definitely, because I'm already seeing some benefits from my own mindset. And I'm sure a lot of the audience will uh, will resonate with this and uh, and want to find out more. So, um. If I switch things around a little bit and, and then and say, how do you get help with your performance? You know, who do you go to? What do you do to sharpen <laughs> your saw? I, you know, when I, I, I think about that question, I went, huh, I don't know. <laughs> but then it occurred to me that I run live online Zoom groups. And every now and then I'll turn the tables and I'll say, I'm really stuck here. Right. And I'll tell you what. The, the groups are, and the people are very eager to help Rich. I mean, <laughs> tables are turned. Oh, I can play the role. So I get sometimes some very honest and hard feedback uh, in, in, because we've developed a culture of honesty and truth. Mm. So it's uh, I play the two roles. One, the facilitator, and the other is, right. like right now, I'm running a group called Healing the Political Divide. And uh, boy, am I getting a lot of feedback on that. Mm. So, and that's the, I'm tempted to write the book, uh, Healing the Political Divide. So uh, what I'm starting out with is a group who gives me feedback and they're just good hearted people. And I just, just love them to death. It's amazing how often when I, cause I ask that question on every uh, podcast to every guest and it's amazing how often coaches and facilitators who work with others to help them talk about getting most of their value or a lot of their value from the people that they're helping. Oh yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a big scam. You pay us and we get the help. <laughs> no, they'll all find out. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so if you were able to work with any individual or team mm -hmm. or, or organization, um, with your skill set that you would like to help perform, who might that be? Well, the first thing that came to mind was our educational system in the United States, um, especially in um, struggling neighborhoods, inner cities. I just read that in Baltimore, not one kid in the whole city graduated with proficiency in math. Not one. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the future of these lives is so dependent, especially in our technological age, mm. on education. So I would, I'd like to shake every educational institution in the United States and say, hey, we can't destroy these kids because without an education, without a future, without meaning, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you end up with gangs or drugs or there's just this temptation. And to break out of that requires uh, a lot of uh, intention that 
that isn't supplied without hope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you've, if you've read in search of man's search of meaning by Viktor Frankl, he talked about the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. You read it and you just can't help but cry. Mm. I mean, the, the horrors, just unspeakable, unthinkable. And yet the people who had meaning, who had a vision for the future and had hope were the ones that tended to survive. Mm. And so giving that to everyone. So I would start with the educational system. And I really believe that we need to introduce competition and allow uh, people to choose their own in in parents to choose their own educational uh, institution uh, because the current one has just failed miserably and for the future it's it's going to even be worse yeah. no i mean what a challenge and i think one that certainly isn't just uh one that's prevalent in the states as well that's definitely something that's uh, an issue here in the uk and and many places around the world and i think yeah. just listening to what you say there one of the things that came to me was those who have hope it's very difficult to actually you know get that out of them and you mentioned the concentration camps you know you can you can do everything you can if people have got hope to hold on to it's a very difficult thing to get off them yeah. but if you haven't given them hope or the opportunity for hope in the first place then there's nothing there is there to uh, Oh boy, you couldn't have. I'd like to underline that and highlight that. I think that is, if we walk away from this discussion today with one thing, I would like what you just said to to be the the core of our our discussion. Oh, beautiful. Um, and let's flip that question on its head a little bit then. So, if you were able to sit down and have a drink or a coffee or a meal with somebody and learn from them so that they could help you perform in whatever manner that means to you. Mm -hmm. Who would you like that to be? Oh, maybe a successful authors um, to, I mean, uh, writing the book and working with people is my pleasure. Marketing is, uh, it's a whole different world. I mean, <laughs> I, I could spend my life, what's left of it. <laughs> And still not even catch up. It's everything's changing so fast. So I suppose people who who really knew how to market, or you know, uh, or a marketing partner who could guide me through it would be great. Right. No, it's a it, it's an important part and something I've learned. And uh, it's quite often you think if I build it, they'll come. And actually, no, you <laughs> that's not not no. true. There's it? only a trillion books being published every hour. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? Cool. And, and, and finally, then, how do people find out more? How do they find out about um, the book, about your, your work, and, and how do they connect with you? Yeah. Uh, the, in fact, what I did is I created a web page just for your listeners. It's called conversations.money slash perform. Yeah. Conversations.money slash perform. And there is a coupon for a free, the, so the online course will be free for them. And uh, they can always email me, rich, R-I-C-H, at mindmuscles.com. And I'd be happy to respond and work with anybody that's interested in, in developing more rapport with money, meaning, and success. Fantastic. And as always, I'll make sure those uh, those links are in there and a, a superbly generous offer for, for all our listeners here. And uh, just speaking from my own experience, having started the process of, of this conversation with my with money for myself, you know, I can just highly 
uh, encourage anyone who's out there just to give this a go, to have a look, uh, take Richard up on his fantastic offer there for the for access to the course, and then and, and get in touch. And like all of my list, uh, my guests so far, you know, the generosity not only with their their offerings, but their their time to connect afterwards, you know, and, and to take that opportunity to, you know, do reach out. If you're thinking of reaching out, reach out to these people. Uh, you won't be disappointed with the response, I'm sure. So. Well, what, what you said is so important. You, it, Especially people who have, you know, internal limits is, oh, I couldn't reach out to him. Hmm. Oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, but you can. You can reach out to anybody, and I encourage you to do that. Yeah. No, I had the... Uh, I think I shared this story on another podcast as well, but I, I was once on a facilitation group and there was an f- absolutely fantastic guy. He's a guest uh, and his episode will be coming out shortly. Um, and he said in that group, here's my mobile number, call me. You know, Let's have a conversation, I don't care what it is. And I just, something again, a bit like yourself, just snapped in my head and said, I'm going to do it. Why not? Mm-hmm. And I phoned him up, he was like, he did first first he was like i'm just serving dinner to my kids can i call you back and sure enough five minutes later we're having a conversation and it's been been a fantastic relationship since and you know you're only ever one connection away from just reaching out to people it's so easy these days isn't it yeah oh man full of wisdom (laughs) thank you (laughs) well richard so much to learn from uh, from this conversation, but also from from the book and the course and everything that you do. So really appreciate your your time today and sharing your story. So thanks for being on the show today, Richard Friesen. Well, thank you for all the hard questions. They're, they're the right hard questions to ask, so I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review, and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.